Hey there, Shalom from Israel. This is Hannah speaking to you from the mountains of Judea. It's a beautiful day here in the land of Israel. Beautiful fall day. And this evening, we are going to be starting the last day of the Feast of Sukkot, Feast of Tabernacles. And so it's a special day because God says that the first day shall be a special day, a holy day, a sacred assembly, do no work. It's like a Shabbat. It's like a Sabbath. And then also on the eighth day, we are to have it as a holy day, as a day of rest, and we're to have an assembly, and it's a special day. And so this eighth day is called Shmini Atzeret because Shmone means eight, and Atzeret means stop. So it's the day that we stop these. We've been going through these... uh, Fall feasts, remember they are not the feasts of Israel. They are the feasts of the Lord, yud Hey vav Hey Yehovah God. He's the one who thought this up. He's the one who instituted it and created it. It's not just for the Jewish people. It's for anyone who follows the one true God, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. So the only problem is that a lot of people that didn't grow up in a Jewish household don't really know what these feasts are about. Feast is a really bad translation, by the way. They're called Moadim. That's plural for Moed. And it means an appointed time. It's like a God-appointed time. It's like God said, okay, we got a date now. So this is when I want to meet with you. And this is when I want to do this or that or remember this or celebrate that. And so we got to keep our dates with God, right? We don't want to stand up, um, <laughs> you know, and just leave him hanging. The God of the universe who who created this whole world and and who created us. We want to keep our dates with God, these God-appointed times, these Moandim. So um, I have a friend who didn't grow up with this stuff, and and he just always kind of shakes his head and and says, I, I just can't keep track of all this. You know, I can't keep track of all these feasts and festivals. Uh, there are a lot in the fall, in this seventh month, the month of Tishrei. But the good news is um, there is a book. There is a manual. You know, we've got the Torah. We've got the Bible. And God tells us what day we're to do it and when and what. And so um, that that is good news. We don't have to figure it all out by ourselves. So we've been going through these um, Moadim and we've been celebrating them together as a community. I realize it might be a little bit more difficult outside Israel, but um, even here, you know, we have to seek for like-minded fellowship. So I uh, pray that you will seek that out and 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 that God will show you who you can fellowship together with as a community, because these things are meant to be um, celebrated together with others, not just kind of sitting in our own little room on the internet. So anyways, hope that you've had really a blessed blessed time as we've gone through Yom Truah, the Feast of Trumpets, Yom Kippur, the Day of Atonement, and now Sukkot, the Feast of Tabernacles. My son just slept out in the sukkah with my, with his nephews, my grandkids, and they just had a great time. And uh, I talked a little bit in my last uh, podcast about the joy of Sukkot. It's supposed to be a time of great joy. And, you know, there's something that I just noticed this year, you know, God, it's, it's the, the word of God. It's really progressive, the revelation, right? We think we know it. Why should I read it again? Then we read it and it was like, whoa, I never saw that before. So the Holy Spirit's always revealing new things to us, which is exciting. And so 
I was reading, I was, I was wanting to look for all the places that the Feast of Tabernacles Sukkot is mentioned in the Bible. And so I went on this search and I found in Nehemiah, the book of Nehemiah, where Nehemiah and Ezra in their rebuilding uh, the broken down walls of Jerusalem and, and uh, in this process of rebuilding. And then it comes to the eighth chapter of Nehemiah and um this talking about that they were reading the Torah. They did this public reading of the law and they, they realized that they had not been celebrating um, the way they should and worshiping the way they should for a long time. In fact, not since the days of Joshua. And so they felt sad about that and they started to cry and they were weeping. And, you know, we, we've got this one scripture. We always take it out of context. We say it is a great thing to say. We say the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy, the joy, I say that all the time. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Hallelujah. Joy of the Lord is my strength. But where does that come from? If we, if we go and we see this in our, uh, the Hebraic context that these scriptures were written in, when was this written? This was written, this happened at the Feast of Tabernacles. It was during Sukkot. Now Sukkot is the season of our joy. It's when we've been through the blowing of the shofar. We've been through the fasting and prayer of, of Yom Kippur. And now we come to Sukkot, which is, okay, I'm not going to get into it all again. you got to go to the past podcast and, and read my Torah studies. And so you learn what Sukkot is prophetic about, because it's very prophetic. But it's the season of our joy when the tabernacle of God is dwelling with us and all the enemies of Israel have been defeated. And so it's this time of great great joy. So that is why they said, do not be grieved. Do not be sad. This is not a time to be sad. You're not allowed to be sad and to cry at this time because this is the season of our joy. This is the Feast of Tabernacles. This is uh, also a time, it's like the original Thanksgiving. It's time to count our blessings, time to be thankful, to be happy. Or just had my daughter come to visit and something was going on and, and she was a little bit sad. And I said, I said, you know, don't be a sad little monkey. Be a happy little monkey, you know, because we it's just a time to be happy and to be joyful. And the enemy always wants to come and bring something to make us sad, make us cry. No, we got to resist that. This is a season of our joy. And this is the last great day of the feast. And so it's to be especially joyful on this day. It's called Shmini Atzeret, the day that we stop on the eighth day. And so just as Nehemiah was reading the Torah, we are to read through the Torah. We are to remember that this is the season of our joy and the joy of the Lord will be our strength. And so I want to start with this one scripture from the Gospel of John, Yohanan, because I want to put this in context that Yeshua stood up on the last great day of the feast. He stood up and he said something amazing and astounding. And I just, I just am passionate that, that I need to be um, speaking about this and teaching about this because the Christian church has been sort of locked away from this for so long. It's like this treasure box that's been sitting there closed, but it's now being opened. And all these rich treasures are being opened up 
to the Christian church, to the nations who have not been familiar with some of the context of these scriptures and what are these feasts and festivals all about, the prophetic significance. So in John chapter 7, when Yeshua, that's uh, Jesus' Hebrew name, Yeshua, it means God saves. When he stood up, it was during the feast. Now, which feast? It was the Feast of Tabernacles. It says, now... In my Bible, it says, now the Jews' feast of tabernacles was at hand. Okay, so I've already said, these are not these are not feasts. They're Moadim. They're God-appointed times. And they don't belong only to the Jewish people any more than the Bible does, the Messiah does, the covenants. Anyone can now come into this covenant through Yeshua. Okay, so let's say it was Sukkot, all right, in verse 2. It was Sukkot. And so Yeshua goes secretly up to the feast during the feast of Sukkot. He didn't go openly, but then he went in and he started to teach in the temple. And they were astounded at his teaching. And in verse 37, it says, on the last day, so that's now. It's starting tonight because in Jewish tradition, we always start the night before. So it's actually tomorrow, but we start the night before. This comes right back from the book of Genesis, Barry Sheet, where he says, and it was evening and it was morning the first day. So I don't want to get stuck on this, but just to explain why we start the night before. It was evening. It was morning the first day. So we start in the evening. We start at sundown. We'll start at sundown tonight. And he says in verse 37, on the last day, that great day of the feast of the Chag, of the festival of Sukkot, Yeshua stood up and he cried out and he said, if anyone thirsts, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scriptures has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. And by this, he spoke about the spirit, the Ruach. This is, I want to park here and talk about this for a little while because we need to get the picture, we need to get the imagery, and we need to see what was happening at this time. So on this last great day of the feast, what they did at that time, the custom was that the um, Kohanim, the priests, would take a whole procession of people and they would, with great joy and dancing and singing, they would go through the streets of Jerusalem. They would go down to the pool of Shiloam. And from there, they would draw waters. You know, it says, uh, with joy, we shall draw waters from the wells of salvation. The waters of salvation. So they would draw waters. And this is the place where Yeshua healed the blind man. The blind man could see. And the Jewish people did believe that this water was a, was a had miraculous powers, that there was something about this pool of Shiloam where people could be healed. And so they would draw this water into these golden pitchers and they would then form this processional and they would come back up to the holy temple to the um, Beit HaMikdash, and they would, they would pour out this water accompanied by great joy. In fact, the rabbis have said, it, until you have seen this 
uh, ceremony, you have not known true joy, okay? And the ceremony is called Simchat Beit HaShoeva. Simcha is joy, Simcha, joy. And so they would come and they would pour out this water on the altar with great joy and singing and dancing and rejoicing and prayers. Because this day, it's the eighth day, is the day to pray that they would pray for rain. This is something you don't really understand if you don't really understand Israel, because in Israel, it doesn't rain all summer. There's the rainy season, there's the dry season. Summer, like past, you know, spring, once summer starts, it doesn't rain. It doesn't rain at all, not a drop. Everything is dry. And so we desperately, desperately need the rain because the rain is water and water is life. And so without the rain in the fall that starts in the fall and goes through the winter, without that, we wouldn't survive through the summer. It would be a drought. And so prayers are made for rain, but it's not just about praying for rain. It is also symbolic of the hope of the coming Messiah, the hope of the coming Messiah. Just read to you from uh, Psalm 72, because it's symbolizing the showers of blessing. It's also symbolizing the spirit and the coming of the Messiah. Psalm 72, the Tehillim, Ayin Bet, verse uh, 6, it says, He shall come down like rain upon the grass before mowing, like showers that water the earth. And in his days, it's speaking of the Messiah, the righteous shall flourish and there will be an abundance of peace and he shall have dominion from sea to sea and all his enemies will lick the dust and kings shall fall down before him and all nations shall serve him. Wow. So this is speaking of the Messiah, Psalm 72, and it's how he will come down like rain, like this refreshing rain. You know, it's still the first rain is still always just magnificent. It's just glorious when it we we feel the first rain, we can feel it coming and, you know, the air changes and start to hear the thunder. And it already happened, actually, before Sukkot this year. And it was just a downpour and you just went out in the rain and just stood out in the rain to just absorb it and feel it and thank God for the blessing of the rain and the water. Because especially here in the Middle East, where it's so dry and so um, hot, the water, it, we can't do without the water. We need water for life. You know, we can go for a while without food, but we cannot go for very long without water. We need that water. And... I think that Yeshua was talking not so much about a physical thirst, you know. So can you picture this, that as the Kohanim, as the priests were pouring out this water on the altar and the water was being poured on the, on the altar. And this was an act of faith because we were believing that God was going to send the rain and there would be more water because they were taking water and almost wasting it pouring it out on the water. And at that time, at that moment, Yeshua stands up and he says in a loud voice, Hey, all who are thirsty, if you are thirsty, come unto me because I am the source. I am the source. I am the fountain of living waters. Wow. 
He was really equating himself with his father God, who is called the fountain of living waters. In Hebrew, it is Makor Maim Chaim. Makor Maim Chaim. So if you can picture that, what was happening at that time? Because Yeshua understood that we all have this instinctive thirst for God. Whether we are aware of it or not, have you ever had that experience where you just you just craving something and you don't even know what you're craving, but you know you're not satisfied. You don't know if you're thirsty, if you're hungry, if you're bored. You don't know what it is, but something doesn't feel right. And we all have that something doesn't feel right thing in us that can only be satisfied with God. Everyone has this instinctive thirst for God. The problem is that we often try to satisfy this thirst and to quench our thirst in unhealthy ways and in ways that do not satisfy, right? i tell you a little story and uh, we'll reveal to you and confess my, my parenting skills or lack thereof. When my last son was a baby, there was problems with his birth and we almost died and it was this whole crisis. And so we weren't in the best of shape when he was born. Thank God he's now like over six feet tall and a strong, handsome young guy just about to go into the IDF. But at that time, it was touch and go for a while. And uh, he he wouldn't nurse. I wanted to nurse all my kids. He wouldn't nurse. We had to put him on a bottle. He didn't like the bottle. I wasn't agreeing with him, the formula. He just wanted juice. He just cried for juice. He just wanted juice, especially when he got a little bit older. And he was so he was drinking juice all the time. And then this one friend of mine who was a nurse came up to me and she goes, um... Is he is is he drinking juice instead of like formula and milk? And I was like, well, yeah, he just really prefers the juice. She goes, well, you know, she didn't call me like a, a negligent mother in so many words, but she says, you know, that that's not good. He's he needs to have a formula. He needs to have milk because the juice is just not going to sustain him long term. And so, I guess any. Um, problems or issues, you know, just always blame on the mother. But that was that was true. And so we're the same way in a sense that we need the real nourishment of this living waters. We need the living waters. Instead, sometimes we try and find it in ways that do not nourish, that are just inferior. It just appeals to our senses, but it's not what we need. And um mm. Yeshua talked about, about this. And the whole word of God talks about this thirst that we have. We all want this uh, spirit-filled, abundant life of joy and peace. That's what we're, we're all after. And so we're seeking it in all these different ways. All these different ways. You know, in the book of Isaiah, it talks about this thirst. He talks about this thirst in Isaiah. He says, ho, I don't know exactly what ho is, but when you look in the Hebrew, it also says, it says, hoy, okay, ho, ahoy, I don't know, hoy. Everyone who thirsts, Isaiah 55, one, come to the waters. 
Come to the waters and you who have no money, come and buy and eat. Yes, come and buy wine and milk without money and without price. And then he asks a question. Why do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your wages for that which does not satisfy? Listen to me. And eat and drink what is good. Let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Come to me. Does that sound familiar? When Yeshua says, come to me. Come to me, all you who are thirsty. He also said in Matthew 11, come to me, all you who are weary and heavy burdened. Because we get so weary when we don't have the spirit. When we're, when we're trying to satisfy our thirst with things that do not satisfy. We get so weary. We get so heavy burdened. And also in Isaiah 44, he speaks about this again. About satisfying our thirst. Isaiah 44, 3. I will pour water on him who is thirsty and floods on the dry grounds. I will pour my spirit on your descendants and my blessing on your offspring. So again, the waters is equated with the spirit. The prophet Jeremiah had this word of rebuke that he spoke to the people. And I believe that it would be for us also today in the book of Jeremiah chapter 2. Let's just go there. Jeremiah chapter 2. On verse 13, he says, for my people have committed two evils. Okay. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, and they have hewn for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, that can hold no water. So these two evils, one, they have forsaken God, who is the true source. He says that he is the fountain of living waters. And again, in Hebrew, it is the makor maim chayim. Makor means a source. He is the source of the living waters for us. So they have forsaken the, the true source of living waters and they have tried to create for themselves, they're trying to drink from broken cisterns, cracked pots that cannot hold water. The water's leaking out. I don't know if you've ever, have you ever had this experience? I don't know, I have to confess all my sins, I guess, to you. But, you know, sometimes I just have that sense. I'm just, I don't know what to do. I'm just not satisfied. I just feel feel like I need something. And I go from this to that, to this, to that. I try drinking something. I try eating something. Then, you know, that doesn't work. Maybe I'll go try and watch a movie. Well, that, that didn't help. There's nothing good to watch or, and you know, and I, so then I try doing this and try doing that and just nothing, nothing is satisfying. And this is what Jeremiah is talking about. My people have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, Instead of going to God and being filled with his spirit, we try to drink from these leaky pots that cannot hold water. Yeshua talked about this thirst that we have that um, we try to satisfy sometimes in unhealthy ways. There's lots of different ways that we try to satisfy this thirst that, that we have. But what I find really amazing, if we go back to the Gospel of John, Yohanan, just a couple chapters earlier, 
Yeshua encountered a, a Samaritan woman, uh, a Shomronit, and she was uh, at the well, you know, the woman at the well. And what's really, really amazing to me is how Yeshua's uh, had such a, a rapport and such a comfort level with with pe ordinary people like us who who fall and who fail and who try to satisfy their thirst in wrong ways. And the, the people he had problems with were with the religious to try to pretend like they're righteous and inside they're like dead man's bones. They're just legalistic and religious and hypocrites, right? But he didn't really have a problem with with us ordinary people who fall and fall short. And so he, it was to this woman that he confessed that he is the Messiah. And this is the only time that I really see clearly that he said, I am the Mashiach. I am the Messiah. So this is in John chapter uh, four. Okay. And he meets this woman at the well. She obviously had a thirst that she was trying to, to satisfy in, a, in an unhealthy kind of self-destructive way because she was already um, had five husbands and was living with another one. And Yeshua stopped her at the well and he asked her for a drink. And she says, well, what are you doing talking to me? I'm a, I'm a woman and I'm a Samaritan, you know, and they start talking about this water. And Yeshua said, if you knew the gift of God, if you knew who it was who said to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would have given you living waters. And she said, sir, you don't have anything to draw with. <laughs> where, where do you get that living water? Where is this Maim Chaim? Maim is water. Chaim is life or living. Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself? And Yeshua answered and said to her in verse 13, whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. He's talking about the natural water, like the physical thirst, right? You're going to drink from this water. You're going to be thirsty again a little while. But whoever drinks of the water that I give will never thirst again. The water that I give will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. He's speaking about the spirit and this eternal fountain of life. And so he, she said, well, get, give me this water, you know, because I don't want to thirst again and I don't want to have to come to draw water out of this well again. She, she was an outcast. She was an immoral woman. Uh, some have said that she came to the well at the wrong time because she didn't want to meet other people there. And he said to her, you've had five husbands. And the one that you're now with is not your husband. So she knew he was a prophet. And she said, you know, when the Mashiach comes, he'll explain all these things to us. This is an expression. When the Mashiach comes, we kind of use it as an expression to say, yeah, yeah, right. Like it'll never come sort of, or it's going to take a long time. Ah, yeah. When the Mashiach comes, you know. But she, she actually said, when the Mashiach comes, when the Messiah comes, he'll explain it all. She said, I know that the Messiah is coming. The Mashiach is coming. It's from the word that means the anointed one. And when he comes, he'll tell us all these things. And Yeshua said, I who speak to you am he. I am the one you're waiting for. I am the Mashiach that you have been waiting for. And he promised that he could give her water that she would never thirst again, and it would satisfy her thirst. And this is the water 
this is the water that we are all searching for, that we are all thirsty for. And instead, we may be trying to satisfy that thirst in relationships. Maybe we have had five husbands. I have a friend who had five husbands um, and and living living with another one, maybe, or maybe we're trying to find it in different ways. You know, instead of drinking from this cleansing, healing waters of life, we sometimes go to these, this in fear, these broken cisterns. So one of them is um, cistern of, of pleasure. It's a broken vessel of pleasure of that appeals to our carnal nature. There are appetites, our sensuality. This is immoral relationships. This is, you know, emotional eating. This is uh, drug addiction. This is alcoholism. This is, this is a broken cistern. And then there's another cistern, a broken cistern of seeking for wealth, for power, for position, for status. How many followers do I have? How many, how many likes do I have? You know, and there's nothing wrong with enjoying material prosperity that God blesses us with, but we are not to be seeking first. We are to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and then all these things will be added unto us. And so instead of going to these things, we are to go to the one who can truly satisfy our, our thirst. That is Makor Maim Chaim, the fountain of life. And again in Jeremiah, just a few chapters down, Jeremiah 17, 13. I just want to read that one also. In verse 13, he says, O Lord, the hope of Israel, the hope of Israel, that is Mikvah Israel. The comes from that word mikvah, which is the Hebrew word for the ritual water immersion, which you may have heard as, as baptism. The hope, it, it's, it, this is the hope for a new life. The hope of Israel. All who forsake you shall be ashamed. Have we forsaken the fountain of living waters and tried to satisfy our thirst with broken cisterns? Are we drinking from broken leaky vessels? Have we forsaken the Lord? He says, those who depart from me shall be written in the earth because they have forsaken the Lord, the fountain of living 